All right, so um, we're continuing in our study in 1 John, and we're looking at verses 6 through 10. And uh, we're going to look at verse 7, start, start looking at verse 7 uh, this morning. In 1 John 1, 6, it says, If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, and we lie and do not the truth, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. As I pointed out in our last lesson, uh, this fellowship with one another is made up of two parts. There's two aspects of this fellowship. We looked at the first part last week, and that is fellowship with fellow believers. Uh, that definitely is a part of that fellowship as you walk in the light, as he is in the light, is having fellowship one with another. So we are of like mind. We are all operating off of the same page. And uh, we all believe in the same book. We all working for the same mission, for the same cause. And there is much fellowship to be had in this. And there's a lot in this world today. And that's really what I've been kind of focusing on, if you haven't picked up on it. But there is a lot today that is threatening this fellowship. And this is something that we need to be careful of, in both religious and secular, that's uh, threatening our our, uh, fellowship, seeking to disrupt it between believers by introducing all of this wackiness that's out there, all these doctrines and things that are going on. And um, so we need to be very, very careful. We need to be very watchful. Watch and pray is what Jesus said, especially toward the last days. And, um, of course, this is very, very important for us to know uh, God's truth. It's also very important for us to walk in that truth. Um, Jude chapter, uh, Jude chapter one, Jude verse three, there's only one chapter in Jude, uh, says, uh, if a man say, I love God, or I'm sorry, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And unfortunately, that's what's happening is that we've got certain men and women who've crept into the church and who are uh, beginning to cause a disruption in regards to the fellowship of the church. And I I mentioned this last week, and it's important. Uh, Faith is to be the foundation of this fellowship. Uh, What you believe is important. And so faith is important, uh, uh, the foundation of this fellowship. But love among the like-minded believers, that should be the the objective. Okay? Uh, That is the objective. Um, Love for the truth, honestly, should result in love for one another. Okay? Uh, Quite frankly, if you don't love your brothers and sisters in Christ, then the truth is not working in you. Okay, you don't love the truth. That's pretty hard, but that's the truth. First John 4.20 says, If a man say I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. He is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. So that's, that's the truth of the matter. And, we see, and this love for one another is a major theme of this epistle, but we... Understand what I'm saying here, and that's what we're getting ready to talk about. Um, This love should never be at the expense of the truth. I'm going to say that one more time. This love should never be at the expense of the truth. And that's what's going on today. 
there's a lot of love, but at the expense of the truth. And that's not true fellowship. That's not fellowship. That's something else entirely. So that's what we're going to look at today. So on your study guide, um, your blank would be fellowship with the Father and the Son. That will be on the bottom of page 2. Fellowship with the Father, with the Father and the Son. So 1 John 1.7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So who is it that John is speaking of when he, when he says, as he is in the light? Who do you think that's talking about? That's God. Yeah, Jesus Christ, that's God. Uh, is this speaking of other believers? Mm, yeah, in a way it is. In a way it is. Uh, if other believers are walking in the light, then yeah, definitely we are going to have fellowship with them. That's for sure. But this walking in the light as he is in the light, that refers to the Father. That refers to the Lord uh, Jesus Christ, our personal fellowship with the Father. And by our meeting his criteria for fellowship, that is walking in the light, in agreement to his truth, then we have fellowship with him. That's the only... I'm going to say this... That's the only way you can truly have fellowship with the Father. You have to be walking in agreement to his word. That's the only way. That's the only way. Uh, darkness cannot fellowship with light, and light will not fellowship with darkness. I, I, don't know how, I don't know how many times I've said that, but it seems to be so difficult for so many people to grasp, so many people to understand. That's why when 1 John 6, First John 1, 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. There's a lot of people who walk in darkness and still claim to be in fellowship with God, but yet John's teaching me that's not possible. You just can't do that. You can't do that. When the believer is walking in agreement to God's word, uh, when you are truthfully confronting and confessing your sin before God, you're not playing games with it, you're not trying to sweep it under the carpet, Right? You're not trying to find an excuse for it. Uh, When you're trying to live honestly and sincerely before the Lord, when you're contrite, when you remain open and vulnerable before God, that's the hard attitude that God's looking for. That's the hard attitude that God is looking for in his people, in his believers. In in, uh, Psalms 51.17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, thou will not despise. Alright? So that's before God. We should be open, vulnerable, contrite before God. I mean, we can play games with one another. I mean, I I could come across as though I've got all my act together, right? But I I can't do that before God. So if I can't do that before God, why would I do that before you guys? When there is present in the believer this hard attitude towards God and His Word, this contriteness, this openness, this sincerity and honesty, let me tell you something. Then the joy of the communion with the Father, you're going to understand, you're going to experience There's not going to be anything there to hinder or interfere. And that's really where you want to be. This meek and lowly heart attitude. Well, that was the attitude of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, wasn't it? I am meek and lowly in heart. Now, did he ever fall out of fellowship with the Father? No. No. 
So if if it's good enough for Jesus, then <laughs> it's good enough for me, right? So on your study guide, if each member of the body would take personal custody, and that's what we're talking about, personal custody of this privilege of fellowship of the Father, then the body, that is the church, it'll flourish, it'll grow, it'll accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. Because we're all of the same mind, of the same heart. We're not playing these silly little games with one another. Now, those who want to exercise a prideful heart, guess what? You're going to meet with resistance from God. James 4, 6 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. So if you're going to walk around like you're all that in a bag of chips, you're going to face some resistance with God in your fellowship. And we just don't want to do that. That's just not the way to go. So we want to be sincere. We want to be truthful before God. And again, this is not a manufactured humility. Honestly, guys, when you are true with God, this humility comes comes about naturally. You know, uh, I pray for a biblical humility. You know, not, 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 not something manufactured from the flesh, not something to put a show on, but I, I pray for genuine biblical humility before God. And what we see in the Laodicean church age today is what I call a spastic church. <laughs> we swing from one extreme to another in the church. If you pay attention to what's going on in the church, it's like we're swinging all over the place. We're kind of off-centered. We've got all these extremes in doctrine. We've got all these extremes in practice. We've got all these extremes, and they're all fueled by a sense of self-righteousness or a smug intellectualism or it's selfish pursuits. And John outlines all of that in John 2.16, the lust of the eyes and the flesh and the pride of life. And we just don't want that a part of our fellowship with God. You know, Paul wrote to the church in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 14.26, he says, How is it then, brethren, when you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation, that all things be done unto edifying. And that's the issue today. It's all about edifying oneself rather than edifying your brother or sister in Christ. You know, Paul also said in 1 Corinthians 14.23, he says, when they look at you guys behaving this way, he says, will they not say that you are mad? (laughs) You're out of your minds? You're crazy? Take a look at the church, folks. It's out of its mind. It's crazy today. You know, there was a time when Christianity was respected in this country. I love some of the old black and white movies. You know, because in the old black and white movies, you, there was even a respect for Christianity. There was a respect for God. Even the, even the bad guys had a respect for God. Not anymore. Don't see that anymore. Majority of the population used to attend services on Sunday or Saturday, depending on your, your faith, and we don't see that anymore. Christianity today is is deemed irrelevant or ignorant or uh, I don't know if you're picking up on this but Christianity is being presented more of a problem than a solution are you starting to hear some of that 
just the other day I was <coughs> listening to a, a gal and she was giving her opinion about the Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And this girl was dead serious when she said, she said that. She says the Lord is the problem with the Lord's Prayer. The Lord is the problem with the Lord's Prayer because it's... Um, What is it? What's the word they like to use about people who hate women? Huh? Yeah, she said it was misogynist. It's a misogynistic prayer. It's a misogynistic prayer. But that's the mentality, folks. That's the mentality. Now, some of us will say, well, that's because of uh, higher education. That's because of the media. No. It's because the church has lost its way. The church has lost its way. Uh, you, know, you hear from the media, the Christian nationalists. Uh, they blame slavery on Christianity. They, they think the true motive of Christianity is to take people's rights away. Uh, Christianity is the main cause of all the wars in the world. They claim that Christianity is greedy. Um, you know, we hear this all the time if you're paying attention. Uh, some of these claims, I think, are unfounded. But I think some of these claims are very much founded, are accurate. Uh, due to the seducers and the extremists and the revisionists that I've been trying to tell you about in going through this study, that's, that's you know, he says, watch out for the seducers. And because of these seducers, that's why we've got pedophilia in a certain denomination of Christianity. That's why we've got all these different gospels being preached. That's why we've gotten away from this book and we're going to other books. Churches today are, are being absorbed in, what was it, uh, Brian called them the other day. Parachurch, parachurch organizations. You're seeing more and more parachurch organizations. You're seeing more and more um, so-and-so's ministry. So-and-so's ministry. Church was born out of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the absorbing interest of the church should be the gospel of Jesus Christ and nothing more. But I'm narrow-minded. I'm narrow-minded. The business of the church is to make disciples for Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. Um, It's to bring folks to God and show them how they can bring God into their lives. The church is to help them be right with God. Through the teaching of the Bible, be learning to be submissive to the Spirit, to restore in them what Pastor Randy says, to restore in them the lost image of God that Adam lost. And somehow we've gotten off track. I think the latency in church has given up custody of that fellowship that John's writing about. Uh, like Adam of old, they've chosen the fruit from the forbidden tree of the rights of the people. And uh, 
You know, I think one of these days, a lot of these folks who think they're okay are going to find themselves shocked. (laughs) I don't mean to laugh, it's tragic, but they're going to find themselves shocked when they're left behind. What happened? What happened? To be, to, to, to fellowship with God is to be in agreement according to His truth. Okay? That's why I put this up here with the, the tablets and this symbol. Coexist symbol. Honestly, the only true liberty we have is to walk in agreement to God's Word, in sincerity and in truth. To submit our wills to His will, uh, to live a righteous life according to His uh, standards. That's where liberty comes from, folks. That's where the liberty comes from. And this is all introduction. I get worked up over this. Second Corinthians three seventeen through eighteen says, "Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed in the same image from glory to glory, even as the Spirit of the Lord." A. W. Tozer wrote, "To remit a man's past without transforming his present is to violate the moral sincerity of his own heart." That kind of thing, God will be no party to. Be no party to. I'm a new creature in Christ. Okay, I'm born again. And I should behave that way. I should behave that way. We've already learned that, that 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 glory is light and light is glory. And when you walk in the light of God's glory, remember when Moses came down from the mountain? What did he have to do? He had to cover his face because of the glory. When you spend time in the light of God's word, that glory is going to rub off. Or it should. It should. We are changed from glory to glory. This tells me it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight, folks. <laughs> For knuckleheads like me, it takes a lifetime. It takes a lifetime. You know, in the Bible, men are often likened to trees, aren't they? And what does a tree need to grow? It needs sunlight. Doesn't it? It needs sunlight. For us to grow, we need to be in fellowship in the light of God's Word. We need the light that Jesus Christ is. We need the enlightening of the Holy Spirit in our life. We need His lights to grow. To grow. It's no longer in any existence, but where I lived, the town I lived in, there used to be an old farm sitting up on the hill. What is that? Menards? That's where Menards is right now. But sitting up on that hill was an old farm. There was an old barn and a house. And and there was an old silo. What was interesting about this silo is that years and years and years ago, a bird dropped a seed in the middle of that silo. And a tree grew up. Through that silo. You remember that? It was poking out of the top of that silo. As big as you please. 
Because that tree was stretching up toward that life-giving light inside that silo. I always thought that was amazing. Yeah, it is pretty common, isn't it? But that's us. We live in a silo. We live in a wicked world. We're surrounded. We need that light. We can't deprive ourselves of that light or we're not going to grow. We're not going to grow. But if we walk in the light as as he is in light, we have fellowship with him. We need that light. Psalmist, the psalmist said in Psalms 1, uh, 2 through 3, and, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The glass that Paul talks about in, 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 in 2 Corinthians 3, with open face being holding as in a glass, that's, that's like a mirror, that's the word of God. James 1, 22 through 20, 25 talks about this same thing. As a, a man go and looks at his face in the glass and then he turns around and forgets what kind of man he is. You know what that's telling me? That's a man who looks into God's word, but yet that word has no impact on his life. We need God's light. We need God's light. I think the grave error among many believers today, even among those who believe the Bible, is they are satisfied with another kind of light. And they make this claim that the Spirit has moved them to do this or moved them to do that, even when it's contrary to God's Word. And it's funny to me, all these people who say this, this moving of the Spirit... I don't know, maybe it's me, but it it seems like to me it always benefits them, but it doesn't benefit anybody else. Hmm. That's not what I read about in the Bible. When the Spirit moves, that benefits everybody. So on your study guide... The liberty that the Spirit of the Lord gives to us is not to live the way we want but to live the way we ought. Not the way we want, but the way we ought to live. The way we ought to live. (laughs) I read an article in a science magazine some time ago waiting in the doctor's office. And um, you know how it is. You see magazines there. And I picked it up and... um, what intrigued me about this is because you know how they have on the front of the magazines the titles of these articles? Well, the, tarticle, the title of this particular article was, Without Light There Is No Life. I thought, ah, this ought to be interesting. So um, to, to summarize this article, the uh, point of the article was was that light is vital to support all forms of life. They paid a lot of money to find that out. <laughs> light is vital to support all forms of light. We need light to see. We need light to support other bodily functions. Light affects the mood. It improves sleep. It treats depression. Light is vital to life. 
And I remember Ron talking to me about this. Uh, those who are, are physically blind, you know, they, there's this absence of light. It affects their sleep pattern. It affects their sleep. Um, for those who have no perception of, of physical light, uh, there is a, a, a disruption in their circadian clock, is what they call it. It results in a cyclical episodes of poor sleep and daytime dysfunction. That's true of all, all of those folks who also live way up north when they experience, what, six months of darkness. Same thing is true for them. Um, this circadian clock they call the master clock, uh, this master clock in our brains coordinates all the other biological clocks in your body. So if this circadian clock is out of whack, then the rest of your body's out of out of whack, according to this article. And so when there's this absence of light, then this master clock doesn't function like it's supposed to, and it affects the rest of your body. It causes all sorts of issues, all sorts of issues. Um, lethargy, it affects productivity, it affects memory, uh, depression, it brings on depression. Uh, my wife's uh, father, in the wintertime, if, if there's a series of days without light, he becomes depressed, lethargic. He, he's one of those, he's one of those folks. Now, of course, this article was written, you know, about the human body, the physiology of the human body, but that applies to us spiritually, too. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So just as light is important to our physical bodies and our mental health, Guess what? Light is also important to your spiritual health. To your spiritual health. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm not in God's Word like I should be, ask her. I'm difficult to get around. I'm difficult to be with. I can tell when I haven't spent time in God's Word. I can tell. Psalms 1.1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. You see, when we spend time with those elements that possess no true light, and we spend all of our time in those things that is nothing but darkness, then we're going to suffer. We're going to suffer. We're going to be deprived of the light that our new man, that new creature needs. But unfortunately, people do it all the time. I don't know about you, but when you observe a believer who's not acting like the Christ he's supposed to act like, I bet more often than not, it's because they're not spending any time in God's Word. They're not spending any time in God's Word. I should say any productive time in God's Word. You know, there are some folks, and I've done this, a quick verse, a gulp of coffee, and I'm on my way. Right? What good does that do me? Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. 
Other folks, the only exposure to God's Word they get is on a Sunday morning. Or a TV preacher or a radio preacher. I have a... I have a backyard full of birds. I, I have a, I fixed my backyard up that attracts birds to the backyard because I, I like to watch them. Right now there's a fresh batch of baby birds. And you can tell a baby bird because they're down there and they're flapping their little wings and here comes mom and dad and they puke down their throat. There's a lot of Christians. That's all they get is regurgitated food that's puked down their spiritual throats. Some expose themselves to another light, like a devotional or a book by a religious celebrity. And that's all they do. That's all that's all they read. Well be careful. Because some of those devotionals are full of darkness. And if you don't go to the light You'll never pick up on it. You'll never pick up on it. I once knew a man who who read a commentary about a book in the Bible and he considered himself the expert. He never read the Bible, but boy, he read a shelf full of commentaries. That's all he knew was a shelf full of commentaries. There's no substitute for personal, prayerful time in God's Word. It's vital. Without light, there is no life. That's my introduction. (laughs) So what does all this look like? So what does it look like to walk in the light as He is in the light? So let me state by, uh, let me begin by stating what it does not look like. Okay, what is it, it does not look like? And, um, bear with me and try to understand what I'm saying here if I've got the time. On your study guide, and I think some of you folks might get your hackles up when I say this, it does not mean that we walk in accordance with the light that's your blank it does not mean that we walk in accordance with the light this is what the legalists attempt to accomplish this is what I this I believe is why the legalists find themselves often frustrated I see the crinkled brows hang in there when they fail to measure up to an impossible standard that they're trying to reach for. Okay? Uh, Not meaning to split hairs on this, but there is a difference between walking according to and walking in accordance with. Bear with me. Okay? This is more than just mere semantics. There is a difference, and I hope I, I, I explain this well enough to where you... You understand what I'm saying because if you get this, this will be liberating to a lot of you. I recall Pastor Randy teaching one Wednesday evening about perfectionism and excellence. And I thought what he had, I really needed to hear what he had to say. I thought it was very good. Unlike excellence, perfectionism is a narrow, 
intolerant expectation that we will never make a mistake, never be guilty of any kind of imperfection, any kind of infraction or commit any sin. Okay? That's perfectionism. A lot of people unwittingly live right there because they're trying to live with, instead of to, God's Word. That's a prison that they create for themselves and they become incarcerated in their own minds. Excellence, on the other hand, and we should strive for excellence, allows for imperfections and mistakes, is more forgiving than perfectionism, understands God's grace in and over their lives, and they are motivated more by love for God and His Word rather than trying to impress their neighbor with their perfectionism. On your study guide... In accordance with refers only to laws and rules. In that we keep the commandments of God perfectly with no infraction committed on our part. That's what it means to walk in accordance with. You keep the law perfectly. You keep the law perfectly. In accordance with the law means you never lie, you never steal. You never cheat, you never use the Lord's name in vain, you never lust, you never covet, you never, you never commit any sin, you never do anything wrong. That's in accordance with God's word, God's law. One who walks in accordance with the law never violates the law or transgresses the law. 1 John 3, 4 says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Has anybody in here transgressed the law at some point in your life? I do almost daily. Almost daily. I only know one individual who was able to walk in accordance with the law. Do you know who that was? Matthew 5.17 Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. He's the only one I know who is able to walk in accordance with the law. Now that should put to rest any prideful, legalistic thought or intention for sinless perfection. You'll never reach it, folks. But unfortunately, I do. I know people who personally think that way. I really do. They strive for this sinless perfection in their life, and they're so frustrated. They're so frustrated. They have no liberty in their life. It is a prison. It is a prison. I mean, if this was the intention of John, and that's the way they approach this, they do. They, they approach this as though you are going to live a sinless, perfect life. And, and that walking in the light is, is, a, is a sinlessly perfect life. If that was John's intention, then why did John say in 1 John 2, 1, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. John knows we're going to sin. 
And why do we need an advocate? Because we're not perfect. We can't be perfect. There would be no need for an advocate if it were possible to walk in accordance with the law. See where I'm coming from now? Is that I, I, I notice the brows are starting to relax a little bit. So on your study guide, if one takes the logic of the legalist to its ultimate conclusion, unless we are in absolute accordance with the light that God is, then we cannot know the fellowship of which John tells us is ours to know. Absolute accordance. It would be impossible to have fellowship with God, who is light, because we can never measure up to that light. You see what I'm saying? For all have sinned and what? Come short to the glory of God. Yes, ma'am. It's, uh, it's after in accordance that when it starts, this is important for us to understand for our own well-being and spiritual sanity. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, this is important for our own well-being and spiritual sanity because, like I said before, I know individuals who are so caught up in this legalistic standard, there is no liberty, there's no peace, there's no... You know, they're always wrapped up in this. It's in, if, 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 if we had to hold such a high standard, then we would never be in fellowship with God. Never would be. Remember what Jesus declared to his people who were oppressed by the burdens that the Pharisees were placing on their shoulders? And these Pharisees, I mean, these guys, what did Jesus say? Unless your righteousness uh, is, is more than the righteousness of the Pharisees. I mean, these guys were all about this. And they were putting these burdens on these people that they themselves could not keep. And Jesus says, come on to me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. There's no rest in a legalistic life. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. There is no rest with the legalists. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So John, when he's talking about if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him. He's not talking about some unreachable, unobtainable spiritual platitude. That's not what he's talking about. Remember what I told you what the heart issue is? It's the issue of the heart. It's the heart attitude. I know legalists who have got stinky hearts. Who've got stinky hearts. And then you got your religionists with their works-based legalism. Yeah, there's no liberty there. I remember when um, I went to India, they had these posters everywhere of these holy men. There was one particular individual that stuck out to me. And the reason why this guy stuck out to me is because he quoted Jesus Christ. And his quotes were, Come on to me, all ye that are... Burden, I shall give you rest. I mean, he was plagiarizing Jesus Christ. And yet he created this huge following for himself. All the while plagiarizing Jesus Christ. 
You know, when we think of holy men, we think of these guys are sitting in the lotus position with this glow about them, this perfect peace on their face. New Age movement, they've got, you know, they've got a big impact on the church. They've got their own mystics as well. Roman Catholicism, they've got their mystics as well. Baptists, we have our mystics too. Pentecostalism, they've got their mystics. They're all claiming a level or a, 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 a plane that everybody should attain to. Everybody should attain to. So on your study guide, this teaching of the Gnostics is a form of spiritual high-mindedness. Spiritual high-mindedness. That vainly puffs up these types as they dangle before their followers a golden carrot of enlightenment that will, that they'll never achieve in order to keep them deceived while being deceived themselves. A spiritual high-mindedness. That's in the churches today, folks. That's in the churches today. And John is warning us about these seducers that are trying to introduce this stuff into the church. On your study guide, all of these have a common thread in that each in their own way teaches a higher contemplation to the presence and consciousness of God. And if you, if you attain this particular standard, uh, then you'll be in this place of, of, of enlightenment. Now I've got on your study guide a little emblem there with the Holy Ghost in the middle and surrounded by all these symbols. Can you read what the logo is down there? It says, my religion is kindness. My religion is kindness. Have we not heard that message? You know, Paul was concerned about the Corinthian church. In 2 Corinthians 1, 11, 3, he says, But I fear, at least by any means, as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. On your study guide, the mystics and their meditation, the charismatics and their emotionalism, and the religionists with their saints and holy men, this is nothing more than a cleverly disguised works-based system, and that one earns their way into the presence of God. Mindfulness movement. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yep. 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 And all of these have variations. They all have variations. They really do. They all sound really good, and they all have these little variations. Uh, but they have this common thread that runs through all of them, that kind of binds them all together in one little group. And the one, and what their goal is, is to reunite all the faiths with a divine love through some form of good works. 
there's a common thread if you really pay attention to a lot of this stuff. Again, my religion is kindness. My religion is kindness. You know, each one, each way, each one in every way, they, they, they teach an underlying theme that, you know, that God is love, that God loves everybody, that everybody can experience the love of God irregardless of how you believe, irregardless of what church you belong to, irregardless of what holy book you hold to. We're all in the family of God. We all are loved by God. God is love. Love abides in God and God in Him. And if we would just simply love one another and accept each other in spite of our beliefs, then we'll bring in the kingdom. We'll bring in the kingdom. Yet this love that they speak about is absent of truth. Absent of truth. And that's where we as Christians get ourselves in trouble. That's where we get ourselves in trouble. On your study guide, as the church age closes, we will begin to hear more and more of the emphasis being placed upon the mystical experience of a communal love obtained through worship music self-enlightening meditation disciplines, positive self-affirmation messages, more so than upon the sound words of God's truth. We're starting to hear that today. Yes, ma'am. As the church age closes, we will begin to hear more and more the emphasis being placed upon the mystical experience of a communal love we're all brothers and, you know, and sisters in God's eyes. Attained through worship music. Music is a very powerful medium. Very powerful. Self-enlightening meditation disciplines. And positive self-affirmation messages. Joel Osteen. More so than upon the sound words of God's truth. That's just kind of everything in a nutshell. Uh, there, a mantra will be, we are all God's children in his eyes. And if you don't fall in line with this thinking, then you don't love God, love as God loves. Fellowship based in love at the expense of the truth. Fellowship based in love at the expense of the truth. Listen to what they, you know, they listen to what they preach. They preach a permissive, a permissive heavenly Father that exists to fulfill their every whim and accept Him in spite of their gross sin. That's why we have the rainbow people. If you find it difficult to hear this, then check out. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and 4. And this brings us all back to according to and according in accordance with. So on your study guide, to have custody of the fellowship that John is saying is ours, we must walk according to truth. According to truth. What says God's word? What says God's word? 
That's walking according to truth. You know, you think about the folks that followed Jesus in the Gospels. You think about the 12 and you think about the 70. You think about all the men and women that followed Jesus around. Was this a sinless, perfect group of people? No way. They were just like you and me. All different levels, all different backgrounds, all different education. Uh, These men and women were not perfect. They each had their strengths. They each had their weaknesses. At times they triumphed. At times they failed. But they all had one thing in common. They were walking with the Lord. They were walking with the Lord. In John chapter 6, which to me is a pivotal chapter in in that gospel... This is after he fed the 5,000 and they wanted to make him king. Jesus started sifting through the group and he started making some hard sayings. And a lot of the folks said, hey, you know, this is too much for us. We can't, we can't follow you anymore. This truth is too difficult for us to take. As the days close, it, the truth is going to be more and more difficult for many people to take it just is John 6.66 says from that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with them with him verse 67 then said Jesus on the well, under, will you go away also and Simon Peter answered him Lord to whom shall we go Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. These men weren't perfect, but they knew who the truth was. These folks don't have a clue. These folks don't have a clue. Do you know who the truth is? Stick with him. Stick with him. These men fell. These men failed. But in the end, they remained faithful to him. They remained faithful to him. These men were walking according to the truth that they were getting from him. Not according with. You see what I'm saying? We have to walk according to in spite of our shortcomings remain faithful to him in spite of our failures walk in his light according to his word John's very clear about this in his epistle it is walking according to the light being faithful to the truth that God has provided in his word in spite of your shortcomings And it is this this faithfulness to his truth that will ensure our fellowship with him. It's not a keeping of a standard, folks. It's your heart attitude towards God and his word. You can keep your standards all you want, but that's not going to guarantee your fellowship. These are hard sayings for a lot of people. But this is this is what God's word says. 
Now let me let me stop here. Does anybody in here disagree with what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm trying to say? Okay, I want to make sure. I want to make sure. So the expectation of the Father of Lights is that we are to walk in agreement to His light. He doesn't expect us to always be perfect. He knows we're not going to be. What He's looking from us is, is, is faithfulness to His Word. Allowing His lamp to be a guide unto our feet and a light unto our path. Not going to somebody else's light. Knowing at times we're going to fail, but guess what? He's always, always willing to forgive us. Pick us up, dust us off, and keep walking. So on your study guide... Uh, The practical reality we must deal with is that due to the infirmity of our flesh, that sinful nature that still resides in the members of our body, we cannot walk in accordance with the light. Because only God is light and Him is no darkness. But do not despair, for John shows us that we can walk according to the light. It's in this way or his way that we maintain custody at your blank, maintain custody of our fellowship with God that is light. And what we're going to study next next time we get together is this wonderful provision that he has provided for us in the cleansing that we have in Jesus Christ. What a wonderful provision that he has provided for us who are unable to walk according with, but according to. Yeah, that's a good psalm. Okay, so hopefully I, I made myself clear on the with and the two. Okay. Okay. All right, so let's go ahead and close out in prayer, and then we'll uh, prepare for the rest.